The well is an ordinary place that takes on extraordinary meaning through encounters with Jesus. Join Father Anthony Messer from St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church in Arlington, Virginia, in search of transformation, healing, revival, and refreshment. Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to the well here at SESA. And today we are starting a brand new series, like you see on your screen. Um, it's called An Everything, A Life of Thanksgiving. Okay, and it's not a typo. I know Thanksgiving Day has passed, but we're still focusing on this theme for the next few weeks. Um, and the reason that we're focusing on this theme is because uh, giving thanks um, or having a life of thanksgiving is probably one of the most underrated virtues or spiritual weapons you can kind of have in your arsenal um, as a Christian. We know in the Orthodox Church in particular, we place a heavy emphasis on thanksgiving, um, because if you think about it from like the perspective of all our liturgical prayers, right? If you think about like all our liturgical prayers, we start with what? We start with the Lord's Prayer, and then we start with the prayer of thanksgiving. And that could be the liturgy of the Eucharist, that could be a baptism, that could be a wedding, that could be a funeral, that could be praying for somebody that's sick, it doesn't matter, that's how we start. And it's not by accident that we start this way, is that the church is showing us like we have to make this conscious decision that a life of thanksgiving is the foundation of our spiritual life. Our goal in this series will not just be to give thanks, but to develop that mindset, okay, to kind of sharpen that spiritual weapon. Maybe it's been a while or whatever it may be, to kind of get that going again um, and focus on a life of thanksgiving. St. Paul tells us this in Thessalonians when he says the following. He says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. St. Paul doesn't just say it's nice to give thanks. He's saying it's what? It's the will of God. So let me ask you a question. If this is such a great spiritual weapon, if this is something the church is saying, this is the foundation, if St. Paul is telling us this is the will of God, why is it so hard? Ignoring the day of Thanksgiving, okay, which we're hopefully not just only focused on food, but we're thinking and, and grateful about things that's, that's going on in our lives, Think about your typical, typical day routine. Like you wake up in the morning, okay, and you're getting ready for your day. What's on your mind? What's flowing, what's, what's flowing through your mind? Okay, hopefully, hopefully the juices are flowing in the morning, okay? What's flowing in your mind at that point? For a lot of us, I won't say all of us, but for a lot of us, we're not the first thing that's on our mind, the first thing off of our lips is, thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to praise you today, to witness to you today. Thank you, Lord, for the things that I have. Thank you, Lord, for family, for friends, for whatever. Maybe that's what's on your mind. But for a lot of us, truthfully, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe you're thinking about the tasks ahead for the day. Maybe you're stressed out about something. Maybe there's a problem that's just kind of nagging you and weighing you down. And if you're in a season of life right now where you're saying, actually, no, I wake up very grateful, I'm thankful, hold on to that thing tight, okay? Because there will come a time where you'll need it, okay? But I promise you, I promise you, this is one of the most underrated spiritual weapons. It is so powerful, so powerful to aim to have that life of thanksgiving. And to kind of answer our question, why is it so hard? If it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you that in everything to give thanks, it is the will of someone else, the enemy, for you to do the exact opposite. Giving thanks or a life of thanksgiving isn't just like a, a practice or a mindset or just my will or whatever. It's a spiritual exercise and you will be fought you will be tempted to not give thanks. And in case you're thinking to yourself, okay, maybe this is like a topic that we're dealing with here and this is like new, 
You don't have to get too far into scripture uh, to know that this is a big issue, a big spiritual issue um, in the Bible. If you follow the biblical story, you'll know that um, after time has passed, we, we all know like the, the great story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Okay? And Joseph is a great story, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. And Joseph basically accomplishes so much during his life, the people that are living with Joseph at the time when he brings his family you know, back from, from his hometown, they live in Egypt, they're living like royalty because Pharaoh loves Joseph, Joseph saved Egypt, everything is great. But of course, time passes, and as time passed, what turns into what began as a gift ends up being a curse, right? They, they're what now? They actually become slaves in Egypt. They're in bondage. Nobody cares about Joseph. Nobody cares about anything. They're now slaves in Egypt. And then somebody's called by God to lead the people out of slavery, and that person is, of course, Moses. If you remember, Moses was very reluctant to go. Moses was very reluctant to go, and we'll kind of go into um, why that is in a little bit. But Moses, basically, the way the story continues is he wants proof. He wants to be able to go to the people and say, here's proof that God truly has sent me. So God tells him, here are the signs to perform for the elders of Israel. Perform these signs. Here's the proof that you are mine, that you are truly sent by me. And he does these things. And the people believe. And the people are excited. Like, if you can imagine, you've been in bondage. You have nothing. You are slaves. And then God has finally heard your prayer. God has finally heard your prayer. And now, like, thank God. Thank God God has sent us someone. So far, so good. So Moses does what God tells him to do. So Moses was reluctant to go, but he goes. He shows the signs. The people believe. They're thankful. So far, so good. First conversation with Pharaoh, how well does it go? Not great, okay? First conversation with Pharaoh ends up what? He actually makes their lives worse. He says, oh, you think that was bad? Now I'm going to make your work even harder. Listen to what the people have to say to Moses and how Moses was feeling right here in the beginning. This is the people speaking to Moses. They say, let the Lord look on you and judge. Let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. What do you think of this response by the people in Moses? On the surface, you say, like, I kind of get it. It's a tough situation. Like, Moses didn't even want to go. Let's be honest. Moses was like, basically, we found out about Moses at the time where, where God reaches out to him. He, like, has, like, a few sheep. Okay, so, like, Moses, like, shepherding a few sheep. He's a nobody. He's a nobody. He has a few sheep. He's minding his own business. God tells him, I have this mission for you. And he's like, sounds like I'd great, but no thank you. Like, I don't really want to do it. But he does it anyways. So he does it, and then this happens. And the people, the people, they trusted Moses. They trusted Moses. Okay, he's sent by God. Thank God. Like, we're going to do the, the right thing. We're going to trust Moses. You go, Moses. We're behind you. So on the surface, he would say, I kind of get it. I get the response. I get Moses' response. But the reason we get it is because we have a natural tendency toward negativity. We have a natural tendency towards ungratefulness. That would be the cup half empty approach. The reality is the exact opposite. God is giving Moses and the people of Israel a chance at new life. If you remember earlier in the story, Moses hated to see the people in bondage. He actually did want to do something about it. And he ended up murdering someone. So this is God redeeming Moses' life. He said, you wanted to do it this way. That's not the right way. Do it my way. 
and people. Yes, your work got harder, but you're in bondage. You're not free. You've been crying out to God, and God finally heard your prayers, and he sent someone. Now, God didn't promise that from the first conversation that everything was going to be solved. Moses and the people should be thanking God, thanking God for the opportunity to just be able to even start this process of freeing the people, but they don't see it that way. And the people on top of that showed no appreciation for what Moses is doing. You know how scary it is to go to the most powerful ruler on the face of the planet, who's like, imagine like, like the worst of worst dictators, to march into that guy's palace and to tell him, this is what God says, let my people go. You know how crazy that is? There's no appreciation like, Moses, you tried, we get it, like we were all in this together. They're like, what did they tell him? The Lord look on you and judge. Like this is his fault. Like God is gonna judge you for it. And Moses is like, I'm just doing what I'm told. But there's no appreciation whatsoever. Now you're probably looking at me and you're saying, that's kind of tough. Like, are you saying, Father Timothy, that you would have acted any differently or felt any differently than Moses and the people did? No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that's the problem. The problem is that our natural tendency is that, is that cup half empty, is the negativity, is the ungrateful. It's not the other. It's not being grateful and living a life of thanksgiving. And in case you thought, okay, this is a tough situation, like you're being kind of tough on Moses, you're being kind of tough on the people of Israel, I'm sure it gets better from here. I'm sure it gets better from here. We're gonna read a few passages uh, from the book of Exodus, okay, from the book of Exodus. And the first one we're gonna start with, I'm not gonna give you the context just yet, but it's Exodus 14, okay, and maybe you know the context off the top of your head. Exodus 14, the people are talking to Moses again. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? So when you become an expert complainer or a grumbler, okay, you use sarcasm as well. Okay, so like you're, you're going to see like th this is an art. Okay, for the people of Israel, this is an art. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Context for this, the people have been set free by Pharaoh. Okay, people have been set free by Pharaoh, but there's a small problem. Okay, there's a small problem. Not everything is super easy. The people have been set free by Pharaoh and they saw the 10 plagues and how the 10, it wasn't just 10 plagues, but how the 10 plagues affected the Egyptians and, and God protected them, which is incredible. Like God basically forced the hand of a ruthless leader to let free workers or like free resource go right out of his, his empire. But what's the problem? They're staring in front of what? The Red Sea. And there's nowhere to go. On one side, they got an army marching behind them. It's about to kill them. And on the other side, they have the Red Sea. And again, they're thinking, like, Moses, why did you do this? We told you, just leave us alone. We just wanted to be slaves, which I'm not sure is entirely true. But just leave us alone. What's the big deal? And Moses is probably thinking, I didn't hear you say that when, during those plagues, when you guys were doing those celebrations, people were dancing. Okay, people were like, yes, got another one. Like, I'm sure you were happy that things were moving in that direction. What we know happens next is, of course, God does the impossible. And God says, what's the problem? You think the Red Sea is the problem? I got it. No issues. I got this. No problem. I'll take care of it. And then you would say, oh, my goodness. 
the most improbable, improbable, improbable story has just happened. Like the people are like go by this vicious like empire and dictator, the 10 plagues, the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, for sure, there is nothing they could possibly complain about now. Like now what? There's nothing they could possibly complain about, right? And what we actually know is that the next chapter, Exodus 15, is famous for what? It's famous for the song of Moses and the song of Miriam, and we actually sing it during the midnight praises. It's a famous song, right? Because the people are praising God. They're so happy. So for sure, there's no more complaining. Except... In chapter 15, there's this little gem in there, okay? Like, chapter 15 is great, okay? There's the Song of Moses and Song of Miriam. But right after that song, there's this little gem about, again, the spirit and the mindset of the people. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? When it says here that the people complained, okay, it's not saying like, hey, Moses, do you have an idea? Okay, that, that's, that's not the point. When they complained, they're basically blaming Moses again for putting them in that position. And you're probably thinking to yourself, are you kidding me? Like, is this going to continue? Like, 10 plagues, done. The Red Sea, done. The complaining hasn't stopped. You would think at this point, the complaining, you just spent time praising God and the beautiful song of Moses and the song of Miriam and everything is amazing. God did this amazing thing. He parted the Red Sea for us. You would think, why hasn't the complaining stopped? What's the next logical step if you're the people and you're thirsty? And I get it. Like, if I'm thirsty and you're thirsty, like, you haven't had water in a while, you probably get cranky. So I get it. But what's the next logical step? Hey, Moses, you know the God that literally controlled the water, like, that we were just singing about three seconds ago? That God? Maybe, just maybe, that God who controlled the water, maybe he can give us water? Like, wouldn't that be a logical request? Hey, Moses, do you mind praying for us so that God can give us water? But that's not what they do. It's complaining. It's a different spirit. It's a different mindset. Again, God is patient with them. And God does another miracle. God turns the sweet water, or the bitter water into sweet water, and they're able to drink it. Thank God. No more complaining. Right? Exodus 14, complaining. Red Sea, boom. Exodus 15, Complaining, no water. Here's water. No more complaining, right? Let's go to the next chapter, shall we? Exodus 16. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we would have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Okay, now you sense the drama. Okay, before it was sarcasm, not drama. See, like the, they're getting good at this thing. Oh, that we would have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full, for, we have been, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Okay. <laughs> now, we're, now we're getting out of hand. Now we're, the way they describe being slaves is like they were royalty. Okay, like they, we were just hanging out. We were just cruising. Like everything was great. We had pots of meat. We had bread to the full. Nobody was bothering us. It's like they have invented something that didn't exist. Like, you were slaves. Like, what are you talking about? Who are you kidding? And here we see again, okay, logic. Logic says what? God, 10 plagues, Red Sea, gave you water. Just ask God for food. Like, it's not that difficult. Why the drama? Why the complaining? Why the negativity? Just ask. 
Like he's done it before and again and again and again. Why? What's the issue? What I want to point out here is that complaining isn't logical. Complaining isn't like, oh yeah, that would make sense. It's not logical. It's a mindset. It's a disposition. It's a spiritual battle is what it is. God being God decides that he will give them manna. Basically, they got free food from heaven. Okay? Now they're really cruising. Okay? They got manna from heaven and they got free food from heaven. So thank God. We're done. Complaining. You're safe. You're free. You have water. You have food. For sure. There's no more complaining. Like what on earth could you complain about? You got everything. You're safe. You're free. You're fed. And you got water. Right? Like we're good. We're done. We went Exodus 14, 15, 16. And some, everybody's probably like, please no more verses about complaining. Like this is getting too much. Except that in chapter 17, okay, <laughs> the very next chapter, they complain about something else. What do they, they complain about? They're thirsty again. You can't make this stuff up, okay? Like, they're actually thirsty again. So the, the next, what they decide to do is they're going to complain again. And this is where God brings water from a rock, okay? So you have 14, 15, 16, 17. You can't make this stuff up. And I actually, I, I spared you that verse from chapter 17 because I didn't want people to, to leave the well annoyed, okay, reading all these verses about complaining. Um, and you're probably thinking like, man, that's a lot of complaining in the book of Exodus. Maybe it was just like the beginning, like they were kind of just struggling. Go home and open up uh, Numbers 11, which is about a year later. Okay, Numbers 11 is about a year later. They're in the wilderness. And in Numbers 11, if you have headings on your Bible, the heading for chapter 11 in Numbers is the people complain. Okay, the authors get sick of describing what's going on. They just say, the people complain. Like you should know by now, like what it is, the people complain. And you're like, okay, what are they complaining about now? Well, they're not complaining about their safety. They're not complaining about being free. They're not complaining about that they have food, the manna, or the water. They're complaining about the type of food that they have. They're complaining about the type of food. Like, we're sick of this manna food that you've given us, God. And at that point, God decides to teach them a lesson. You can go home and read that lesson uh, for yourself in Numbers 11. So that's a lot. Why go through that exercise of complaining and complaining and negativity? Like, why? The point is not to just look at them and point the finger at them and say, man, what is wrong with those people? Like, those people are the worst. That's not the point. The point that I hope that we can all do together is we need to recognize our negative tendencies because it's actually easier than you think. It's easier than you think being negative. I was just telling somebody that earlier this week, you know, I'm preparing this, uh, and God, of course, has a sense of humor. As I'm preparing this this week, um, like a few things happen, like nothing, no big deal, but like a few things happen. And off the tip of my tongue, it's about to be like negativity or complaint. I'm like, I'm preaching on Thanksgiving this week. Okay, I'm preaching on Thanksgiving. Like, I can't. Like, so like, it, it's keeping me in check. But it's very, it's so easy. It's so easy to have those negative tendencies. If we're really determined to have this life of Thanksgiving, because I'm telling you, it's so powerful. When you're in that, in that zone, in that season of life where you are just truly pursuing that life of Thanksgiving, it is so powerful. We have to recognize our negative tendencies, our tendency towards negativity. There's actually been many studies that have been done where uh, they actually prove that as human beings, we are much, much, much better at seeing the negative than the positive. So it's not like a Christian, not Christian thing, it's just a human thing. So the people of Israel, you're slaves and now you're free. Yeah, but they're still chasing us. Okay, they're not chasing anymore. Yeah, but we're thirsty. Okay, here's water. Yeah, but we're hungry. Okay, here's food. No, but we want different food. It's a mindset. 
It's a disposition. And you can use a million examples in your own personal life and look at your life that way too. At work, let's say you have an evaluation at work, personal evaluation, and people and, and the manager sits with you and they say, great job. You're doing a great job, fantastic job. Point one through 10, great job. Here's one area of improvement. You're going to leave that office thinking about the one area of improvement. You're going to leave the office thinking about the one area of improvement. You have a spouse, an amazing spouse, a spouse that does so much. When you get angry or bitter, or you think about the amazing things, no, you're thinking about the flaws. And, and just news alert, whether you're married or single, if you want to find flaws in your spouse, you will find them, okay? <laughs> like, that's a guarantee. You don't believe me, I can bring my wife up here next week and she'll tell you all about them. Like, if you want to find flaws, you will find them. Your season of life, you can focus on the positive or the negative. If you're single, well, I wish I was married. Married, you can't wish that you were single, okay? You thought I was going to say no. All right, that's not, a, that's not an option, okay? Kids, no kids. Oh, remember how our life was with no kids? Kids are the most precious thing in the world. But we don't have kids. Okay, enjoy your time together. Like, you have the option. It's within your control. The question for us isn't will you be tempted towards complaining or negativity? The question is when you are tempted, because you will be, what are you going to do about it? Because it's a choice. If you can't recognize those tendencies, or at least be alert, then we're going to miss out on that life of thanksgiving. The second thing we must do after we recognize those tendencies, and we're gonna go through this um, over the next few weeks, we're gonna discuss a little bit deeper, but this is kind of the foundation for us today. So we first recognize our negative tendencies. Second thing we have to focus on is renewing our minds. The title of this series is that in everything, a life of thanksgiving, a life of thanksgiving. It's a mindset change. The people of Israel, you could have looked at them and you said, what a bunch of morons. Like, why can't they figure this out? But that's how it is. When it's a mindset, it's hard to change. So we have to focus on, we need to renew our mind. We need to wash our mind. I believe from the bottom of my heart that if you put in the effort and you're praying and asking God for his grace, you can do this. You can have that life of thanksgiving. And I also believe that if there's, there's a lot of virtues in the spiritual life, but if there's one that is obvious that a person has really changed, this is it. You notice it in the person's disposition, in the way they're acting, in the way they're behaving, in the way they're, they're communicating with someone. St. Paul tells us the importance of this renewal of our minds when he says the following. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So one thing we know about the renewing of the mind is that it is not the way of the world. And that's good for us to know because the way of the world is that the way that I am living a life of thanksgiving is when good things happen. I'm thankful, I'm grateful when good things happen. But that's not what God is telling us. God is telling us this is the will of God that in everything, a life of thanksgiving. So it has to be different from the way of the world. How do we renew our mind? Renewing of the mind comes down to this. I am transformed when I focus on the truth of who God is and who I am to him. That's it. That's how the renewing of the mind works. When I can focus on who God is truly and who I am to him, that's it. That's when the mind becomes renewed. 
But it's not a one-time thing. It's over and over and over again. If you want a memory verse about who God is and who you are to him, this is one of my favorite verses, a couple of verses in Isaiah. Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And this is not God referring to one person. He's referring to the family of God, the children of God. And we have been adopted into that children. So that verse applies to me and you individually. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. It continues. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow. They shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. These are the eternal truths I'm telling you to focus on. That's how the renewal of our mind works. It doesn't mean that we won't face anything bad in life. As you clearly see here, there's going to be water, there's going to be fire. Not, not the best of news, okay? And the people of Israel saw this literally. But it does mean that God's going to get you through it. You'll be okay. You'll be all right. And maybe the problem doesn't get resolved here on earth, but thank God there's another life. It's not the end here. You'll be okay. The difference between focusing on the negative versus the positive, between being thankful and ungrateful. If you look at the people of Israel, they left Egypt as free. In their minds, still slaves. In their minds, still victims. The renewing of the mind, it hadn't changed. The mindset hadn't changed. Everything was what was me. And when you're in that mindset, it's impossible to see the truth about who God is and who you are to him. It's impossible. In fact, you can be so negative that you start believing the lies. Think about it. Moses, did you bring us out of Egypt so that the Egyptian army could come here and kill us? Like they actually said that out loud. You think God performed the 10 plagues because he was just bored? Okay, God was bored that day. So he did the 10 plagues thing because he was bored. And he brought you out here. This is like kind of like some sinister joke and now you're going to die. Like that's what you believe? That's actually like, that's what they were believing. God, Moses, we're thirsty, we're going to die. We're hungry, we're going to die. We're thirsty again. What's going on? It's a mindset. This is why the renewing of our minds is a practical thing. And we talk about this all the time, and I know we say, like, it's easy for me to just get up here and go, read your Bible. Okay, like, read your Bible, read your Bible. Read. No. But, like, the renewing of the mind is that, is doing that prayerfully. An early church father, Origen, he says it this way. He says, our mind is renewed by the practice of wisdom and reflection on the word of God and the spiritual understanding of his law. The more one reads the scripture daily and the greater one's understanding is, the more one is renewed always and every day. And we don't do that on our own. There's the grace of God that's helping us, but we have to. We have to put in the effort. And it's not about magic. It's not like the Bible is magic. Okay, I don't want like, it's not the Bible is magic. But what it's about, it's about being reminded of God's love. And if you read from front to back of the Bible, you will see a God who is very resilient, okay? A God who is very patient, long-suffering. So we have to recognize our negative tendencies. We gotta, we gotta call them out when they're happening, okay? We have to renew our minds by focusing on what is truth versus believing the lies. And finally, we have to rejoice in God's gifts. We have to rejoice in God's gifts. And this is really how you kind of complete the circle 
and it's a life of thanksgiving. We can't pretend that we're thankful for something if we're never actually saying thank you. You can't pretend that you're thankful for something if I never say thank you. Like if my wife, my wife does most of the cooking at home because God forbid, okay, that I do most of the cooking, okay. My wife does most of the cooking at home, okay, and if I never say thank you, is she gonna just assume that I'm thankful? Like she's gonna be like, oh yeah, he's probably thankful. No, like I have to actually express the thanks. You know, in the liturgy we pray uh, an interesting prayer, okay, and prayer that I love very much. We say, we say this in the liturgy. We say, we offer unto you your gifts from what is yours for everything, concerning everything, and in everything. That's a very confusing statement, okay? We offer unto you your gifts from what is yours for everything, concerning everything, and in everything. What in the world are we talking about? It's actually very profound. So what we're saying to God is, God, we're presenting you with this bread and wine, okay? We're presenting you with this bread and wine, and that's like the gift, okay? I'm presenting also, Lord, like myself, and the people are presenting themselves. We're presenting everything that we have, the gifts that you have given to us. These are your gifts. So God gave us gifts, and we're offering them back to you, Lord. And he, in turn, gives us a greater gift. He says, thank you very much for that gift. Here's another greater gift, the Eucharist. That is the most illogical thing of all time. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. So God gives me gift, so it's not mine to begin with. Like when we say, like, here's a sacrifice, God gave it to me anyway, so it's not technically a sacrifice. So God gave it to me, I'm offering the gift back, and then God is saying, well, actually, here's a greater gift. That's how God works. That's not logical, but that's how God works. This is a way of life. It's not just in the liturgy. What we're saying there is that we're offering God the way that we offer God his gifts back, okay, in our life is by saying thank you. It's thanksgiving, and that's what the Eucharist means. It's thanksgiving. Is we're saying thank you for the gift. That's how we're offering it back to him. And we're saying we're always going to rejoice in that gift regardless of the circumstance. Even if the circumstances change, it doesn't matter. I'm going to offer that gift back. There's a story in the Gospel of St. Luke um, that's a tough read. It's basically Jesus heals the 10 lepers, okay? And you, you may have remembered the story. Um, Jesus heals the 10 lepers, but only one returns to thank Jesus, okay? And this is exactly how it happens. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face and at his feet, giving thanks, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Jesus' question is very valid especially because the person who returned wasn't even a Jewish person. He was a Samaritan. Did they all feel grateful that they were cleansed from leprosy? I bet they were. Okay, they were outcasts. They were nothing. They probably all felt grateful. But only one came back to say thank you. Why? Why did Jesus care? Like, did Jesus need the thank you? Like, Jesus was really down that day. Man, I can't believe they didn't come back and say thank you. Like, Jesus was, so, Jesus was pouting that day. Jesus was upset. Man, they didn't come back and say thank you. Like, how could they? Is that, is that what it is? Who's more affected when we give thanks? God or us? Us. God doesn't change. Giving thanks is healing for us. It's God healing us. It's not God, oh, I need your thank you. God is fine. God doesn't need anything. And that's why when he came back to him, God gave him holistic healing. He forgave his sins. Something changed in the man. 
It wasn't just, he just got a physical healing. Something changed in him. If we go through life without rejoicing in God's gifts, we're the ones losing out, not God. We're the ones losing out, not God. The people of Israel, like I mentioned earlier, in Exodus 15, before they complained about not having water, they rejoiced for God for parting the Red Sea. And they said the following, that Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The key here is that they did praise, and they did what was right. But the key was to continue praising in the difficult times. They would have been much better off to bring back that song when they were thirsty than to complain. They would have been much better off when they got hungry to bring back that song to remind themselves and to give thanks to God for things that he's done than to complain. Praising God changes our hearts. It changes our hearts. It doesn't affect God. It changes us. So throughout the series, we're going to talk about this life of thanksgiving and how to get that life of thanksgiving. But this week, what we're going to focus on, and you may have some homework, okay, that you're going to leave the well. Sorry. Okay, this is what happens when you don't have Father Anthony up here, so I apologize. These are the three points we talked about. Recognizing our negative tendencies, renewing our minds, and rejoicing in God's gifts. So in turn, this week, and you can find this in your handout or in the app, this is what we're asking you to do. It's both here in Arlington and Leesburg. Think through, like, take some time out of your day this week and think through these questions and write them down. What specific negative tendencies do you have? Or what things have you complained about recently? What truths do you need to hold on to about yourself or about God? And this could be actually like, maybe you can write out like a memory verse. Okay, so I, sh I shared with you guys Isaiah 43 verses 1 and 2. So maybe that could be like a memory verse that you want to memorize. And the last one. Praise God for what he has done and is doing in your life. Living a life of thanksgiving is challenging. That's why we can look at the people of Israel and say, I don't get it. Why aren't they saying thank you? Why aren't they happy? Why aren't they grateful? Because it's hard. Living a life of thanksgiving isn't always easy. It's not always natural. But it's definitely worth it. Because when a person is living a life of thanksgiving, and you see it in that person, it's one of the most like, powerful witnesses of Christ. And I've seen it with my own eyes in, in people that I've met where they're going through really difficult stuff, but life of thanksgiving. And it changes me just being in their presence. So my hope and prayer this week is that we take some time and we really think through those three questions. We recognize those tendencies, those negative tendencies. We focus on the truth of who God is and who I am to him, and we praise God for what he has done in our lives. And when we do that, we are building that foundation of a life of thanksgiving. And next week, we'll um, take it a little bit deeper and talk about how to continue um, living that life of thanksgiving together. Let's stand up for prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, I thank you for your love for us, for your patience with us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for everything that's written down for our benefit in scripture that you show us, Lord, that um, the secrets of life and the keys to life and how to really live a life, Lord, that's fulfilling and satisfying with you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you, during this series and, and throughout our lives, that you build this spiritual foundation in us, Lord, that you give us the spiritual weapon, um, that you allow us, Lord, to really focus and hone in on, on having that life of thanksgiving. 
being grateful and thankful for everything that you're doing in our lives. Pray, Lord, that you help us by the grace and power of your Holy Spirit to, to recognize those negative tendencies and um, to be on alert, Lord, and to, and to really just focus on giving thanks to you and to be transformed and renewed, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to, to be here with every single person that's here, Lord, and I pray that you um, be with them this week as they're going through this exercise and that you allow them, Lord, to really dig deeper and, and to, to reflect on what's going on and that the Holy Spirit may reveal to them exactly the direction that you want them to go in, Lord. Pray all these things in your name through the intercessions of all your saints. Here it says, we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.